It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ant and Rudy helped the Wolves take care of business with the 109-105 win over the Clippers. And I got Jack Borman. He's going to help us break it all down. It's all coming up next on the Locked On Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab, back at it. Another T-Wolves Postcast episode right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman, on Twitter, at JRBorman13. And Jack, before we get into all the action, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner, the NBA. Right now, new customers. You're getting $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. $150 when you bet just five. Check it all out. Visit FanDuel.com slash NBA. All right, man. So a lot of talk about the schedule starting to soften up now after that gauntlet run in December. You got the Trailblazers last Friday. Got the Pistons coming up next. But one of the big litmus tests you knew would be tonight versus this red-hot Clippers team who are just stacked to the gills with talent. So I know it got a little dicey at the end, but to see the Wolves in the driver's seat for almost the entire game, that was great to see. Kick things off with your maybe broader observations before we get into all the nuts and bolts. What's your biggest takeaways and observations and what a win like this means for the Timberwolves? Yeah, certainly, certainly a huge one for the Wolves when you consider that uh, outside of the Timberwolves, I think the Clippers have been the most impressive team in the Western Conference so far this season. Uh, the way that they, uh, you know, really looked dysfunctional at the start of the season, uh, and then and then made that move to to acquire James Harden, uh, and looked even more dysfunctional uh, right after Harden got acquired. But since then, they've just been um, a heat-seeking missile uh, in the Western Conference. They've been incredible on both ends of the floor. Um, for the Timberwolves, especially the way that the Clippers threw threw the kitchen sink at them defensively early early on, they they threw a zone at them. They were switching, they switched up how they were you know aligning guys on different uh, players to give everybody a different look. Uh, and the Wolves' spacing was incredible again. You saw Carl Anthony Towns in the corner again um, in that first quarter, especially, but then again in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, uh, really whenever he shared the floor with, with Rudy Gobert, which was awesome and has been a huge reason why the Timberwolves offense has, has been pretty efficient here. Um, the, the ball movement and spacing was just way better with Carl at the court in the, in the corner or, or in that kind of deep slot area. Um, you know, I, I thought again, you know, they went away from it in the second quarter when Carl was the five and they kind of featured him, you know, as the main score and, and he just didn't, uh, you know, he just didn't score it as well. It wasn't as efficient. Um, you know, he had four more turnovers tonight. Uh, I would venture to guess, you know, that, that pretty much all of those came, um, you know, on the drive trying to do do a little bit too much. Um, and again, man, um, when you when you look at how Carl played, I mean, he was uh, he only took four threes, probably could have taken more. Um, but again, was was more efficient inside the arc uh, was five of eight, uh, which is which is what you want. He just has to clean up those turnovers. But um, yeah, and then in the second quarter when they, they got bogged down a little bit, uh, more turnovers and assists, four turnovers, three assists, uh, had a had a four-point stretch in over six minutes of, of play, which wasn't great. But but outside of that, I thought the driving kick game was 
was incredible. Um, Timberwolves did a great job, uh, you know, especially in that fourth quarter early on, I just kind of pouring it on, right. Uh, you know, 25 assists, you know, not great for them, but, but again, I thought that, you know, some of that had to do with Anthony Edwards, just kind of playing hero ball and, and the, the Timberwolves really just kind of, or the Clippers really just kind of slowing the, the pace of the game down, um, which was huge, but defensively then again, man, especially on, on Paul George and Harden I was really pleased with how the Timberwolves played here. Um, Paul George, 16 points on five of 19 shooting. Um, he, he really just looked uncomfortable all night long uh, with the Timberwolves switching one through four, um, you know, out on the perimeter. James Harden, uh, 14 points on 414 shooting. He was awesome in the fourth quarter. Have to give him credit. He, he was kind of the engine behind the Clippers really getting into the game. But for the most part, um, you know, Ant, Ant did a great job on him. Slow-mo did a great job on him. Um, and then the big, big note here defensively for, for the Clippers uh, or, you know, for the Clippers against the Wolves defense, they were 12 of 17 at the rim. Um, that's 71 percent everywhere else. They were 24 of 66, uh, which hmm. which I think goes to show that, um, you know, the Timberwolves length really, really bothered them. Uh, they're not used to facing defenses that can rotate uh, as crisply and as quickly as the Wolves do, um, you know, and then when they put Russell Westbrook out there, the Timberwolves guarded them or guarded him with, with Carl Anthony Towns or, or Rudy Gobert, especially in five out lineups, which um, you know made it really difficult for, for the Clippers um, three offensive stars to, uh, to really operate off the bounce, uh, which was huge. So um, really on both ends of the floor against arguably the, the team that will be the toughest matchup for them uh, in the playoffs this season, if, if they get there in the second, you know, if they'd play each other in the second round or the Western conference finals, something like that, um, they passed this one with with flying colors, especially when um, you know Clippers really put the screws to them and made it difficult for them um, late in the fourth quarter. The Timberwolves really, um, you know, I, I think kind of stumbled and, and did a great job of of kind of you know finding their balance and, and getting this one to the finish line. Yeah, I do want to ask you a little bit more about this Clippers team, but you're right. Cat was really efficient, obviously, like you mentioned. You got Rudy with 18 boards, 15 points, four monster blocks, four super clutch free throws at the end as well. Uh, Ant, 33 points. That's a career high versus the Clippers. 16 in the third quarter alone. Unbelievable. On top of that, add in a little nine boards, six assists for good measure. No big deal. Just another night at the office for him. Those two specifically, though, I mean, really helped propel this team tonight and, and really took over the game at times, didn't they? Just talk to me about those two tonight and how massive, how huge they were for this win. Yeah, starting with Rudy Gobert, this was my favorite Rudy Gobert game in some wow. uniform. Um, wow. it, it may not have been like his best statistical game. Uh, I don't know what that would be off the top of my head. Um, but he had 15 points, 18 rebounds, four blocks. Um, he airballed a, a couple of free throws in the first half, and the Clippers bench was absolutely clowning him. Um, and, and these, you know, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, and the Clippers have a history from, I want to say, 2020. Uh, when they played the jazz in the second round of the playoffs, um, you know, the, the jazz were dominating. They were up like 25 points at home on uh, the second half and the Clippers went small, uh, you know, kind of isolated and, and forced switches to get Rudy Gobert on the perimeter every single time and pretty much played him off the floor because the jazz didn't have anyone else that could help him. He couldn't defend five guys by himself. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the, and the Clippers ended up coming back to win that game and win that series uh, in Utah. And so that certainly stuck with Rudy. And then you, you think about that history, they're, they're kind of clowning him, um, you know, at the free throw line. Uh, I thought it was fantastic the way that Rudy was just everywhere defensively, um, just made plays. Um, like you said, the four blocks, uh, didn't have any steals, but certainly, 
uh, force some turnovers inside with guys just kind of, you know, crapping their pants um, on, on the drive, uh, you know, remembering that Rudy's there and, and having to think of something on the fly um, and, and turning it over. Uh, I, I thought the way that uh, he switched out onto the perimeter and played some really awesome defense um, in moments like that, I, you know, he also had that that really athletic play uh, to force a turnover on, on Mason Plumley. Uh, you know, out there on the perimeter as well. So he, he really did everything for them uh, defensively, which was uh, really what you want to see. And I thought he did it in different ways. He did it at all three levels of the defense, um, moved his feet really well, stayed vertical, forced a lot of missed shots. Um, again, like, like, you know, we talk about almost every time here, seven of 20 in the short mid range, four to 14 feet for the Clippers, 35%. They were over seven um, in long mid range. Um, so free throw line at the three point line. Uh, so seven of 27 overall in the mid range, 26%, that that's going to play every single time. And a lot of that has to do with the shots that Rudy Gobert forces in that deep drop. Um, and then, like you said, uh, four huge free throws at the end of the game. Um, he was just tremendous in the fourth quarter. And, and again, 18 huge rebounds um, was a, a huge reason why the Timberwolves were able to come away with this one. And then Anthony Edwards, man, or oh, and the one last note on Rudy Gobert, 13 drawn fouls. Uh, I think that, you know, I don't, I don't know where that ranks in terms of his best games ever. Um, but that was, that was pretty remarkable um, that most of those weren't shooting fouls um, did, did everything he could to, to help impact the game. Even when the Timberwolves weren't really finding him um, you know, to score around the basket, but, but moving on to Ant, uh, I mean, it was really in that third quarter, right? For Anthony Edwards, where he just went absolutely bananas. He had 20 of his 33 points, five of nine shooting eight of nine from the free throw line, got to the line nine times in one quarter. Um, I don't know if he's done that in a non-fourth quarter at all in his entire career. Um, so that was certainly really impressive from him. And then um, had two assists and didn't turn it over. I think that was the most important thing about Ant kind of going nuclear is he was able to do it really efficiently, shot more than shot better than 50%. Um, again, got to the free throw line nine times and did not turn the ball over in that third quarter. I just think that, you know, when he's riding that wave, it makes it so much easier for everyone else around him to really just be able to focus on getting back in transition um, which I think is an underrated part of Ant kind of going nuclear is that it kind of allows guys to just trust that Ant's got it um, on the offensive end, and then they can get back defensively and, and, and be smarter about when they're cra crashing the glass. Um, and I think it just kind of wears down and breaks the spirit of the opponent. And it's one of the you know intangibles that Ant has that I think every Timberwolves fan loves about him, especially in front of a packed house at Target Center. Um, you know, the way he was able to do that tonight, I, I, I certainly think that um, – you know, the ants kind of bursts and, and runs that he can go on like that, um, you know, really kind of break down an opponent's spirit more than, you know, you know, 95, 97% um, of the NBA. And so for him to finish with 33 points, nine rebounds, six assists, did have five turnovers and um, kind of, again, showed his inexperience a little bit in the fourth quarter, but um, overall just another amazing uh you know, just superstar level effort for man yeah unbelievable those free throws man what a breath of fresh air um like you said i don't know when the last time he's had that many free throws got to the stripe but that was a lot of fun to watch if he can add that into his repertoire night in night out that's just dangerous man uh before we move on anything you want to add as far as the offense goes, you text me after the first half about how impressed you were with some of the spacing. I know you mentioned that at the top, but what they were able to accomplish with that at times. You mentioned the kickout game with Cat and what that showed. Just overall, I guess, how happy were you with the offense tonight? Outside those pesky turnovers, they just can't find a way to shake, of course. But anything more to add from the X's and O's department, I guess? 
Yeah, I, I think the way, you know, when they're able to space the floor and they're able to get Cat in a corner, uh, it opens up so much more cutting uh, from the Timberwolves mm-hmm. offense. You know, again, Jaden McDaniels, five points in that first quarter alone. I thought they did it, they're, you know, they're at their best doing it in the first quarter. Um, you know, Nas Reed also had five points. And, and Nas also, when Nas comes in and plays alongside Carl, watch where Nas is. Nas is in the corner. Um, or, or I think Nas came in for Carl um, in that for, was it, uh, I, I can't, I'm drawing a blank. I think Nas came in for Carl. Um, no, he came in for Rudy in that first quarter, but, but yeah, when he's playing, it doesn't really matter when he's playing alongside Cat um, or Rudy. I mean, you see Nas there at the, you know, in the corner, which is huge. And Nas is a great corner shooter. And, and for me, like Carl Anthony Towns, I trust that Carl Anthony Towns, Know, can really improve on his his corner shooting. Um, he's, he's not great uh, from the corner in his whole career just because he hasn't been there that much. But, um, I mean, if, if he starts playing there more, there's there's no doubt in my mind that he'll really pick it up there. But I, but I think when you get a four that's spaced out to the corner like that, that's a legit three-point threat, when Ant and Rudy, you know, have that pick-and-roll game in the middle of the floor, it gives Ant so much more room uh, to, drive to, the, to drive to the rim, to draw those fouls, um, and to make kickout passes because the defense is going to have to sink, you know, in from one of those corners um, because you don't want to have Ant going one-on-one with someone to the rim with a head of steam like that. And so I, I think, you know, there's been some talk this season about, you know, should the Wolves trade someone like Kyle Anderson for a shooter? We'll get into that a little bit later, but um, but that's just another reason why I don't think the Timberwolves necessarily need to do that. They're, they're like seventh in the league in three-point percentage, and I think if they just stay out more space and let Ant drive more and pick and roll and, and kick it out, I think they're going to be able to generate a lot more threes in, in the spacing that, that Carl creates when he's there in the corner, I think, um, you know, unlocks more of that drive and kick game and create, can create more three-point opportunities. And, I mean, the Timberwolves tonight from three – 13 of 26, 50%. They didn't get up quite as many tonight as you might want to see them get up. But again, 44 points in the paint is tremendous. Um, and, and the quality of three-point looks that they created was really, really strong against a type of defense that they've really struggled with this season. Teams that can switch one through five and, and throw different types of zones and, and mix and mix up their defensive coverages really well. And so it was encouraging that uh, the quality of shots from the Timberwolves uh, tonight was was awesome. Yeah, well said. All right, plenty more deep dive from this one right after a quick word from BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or about your life in 2024? Where are you already crushing it? Maybe start thinking the opposite of new year, new you. Try ditching all the new year's resolutions and start expanding on what you already do right. Maybe that's organizing the closet or the garage. I know that's something that I always struggle with. Maybe you take those daily vitamins and stay healthy during the new year, but now you're looking to take it to the next step. Well, Therapy can help you find your best strengths and maximize your own specific skill set so you can finally ditch the extreme resolutions. Instead, therapy can help you make changes that really stick over the long term once and for all. If you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your time frame. And it's so easy. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. It's time to start celebrating the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. 
Let's pick up back here on the defensive side of things. Let me just say, first of all, it, it's just so fun to watch the number one defense in the NBA on a night-in, night-out basis, isn't it? Clippers only had 68 points heading into the fourth quarter, 10 of 32 on everything outside of the paint in the first half. And what they did to Paul George tonight, man, that was a thing of beauty too. Um, dude was 1 of 10 in the first half. He ended the night with a, a modest 16 points, which for Paul George, maybe an off night, some would call that. Uh, you got to give the... Uh, Clippers credit late uh, that ra rally got kind of scary at the end I know they kind of caught fire with the three ball 37 points in the fourth quarter but I, I guess just your quick overall thoughts on the defense and how the Wolves played tonight yeah I, I was really impressed with with the defense um, tonight mostly because you know the Clippers are a team that really spread you out and force a lot of uh, players to defend in one-on-one -on -one situations, whether it's against Harden, uh, Kawhi Leonard, or Paul George. And those are three of the best isolation players, not just in the NBA, not just of this era, but of all time. Um, you know, when they get anyone on an island, they have the advantage. I do not care who the defender is. I don't care if it's Jade McDaniels or Giannis or Rudy Gobert or whoever it is. Um, those guys have the advantage. And the way that the Timberwolves were able to shut a lot of that off um, they did a great job of beating those guys to the spot and forcing them to change the direction off the dribble, um, forced a lot of tough pull-up jumpers uh, in the mid-range. Uh, and I thought that they contested those really, really well, especially on Kawhi Leonard, who's uh, you know one of the better mid-range jump shooters we've ever seen um, in this league. And, and he's a guy that can just get to his spot and elevate, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. But I thought that uh, Ant and Jaden, especially when they were switched on to Kawhi, uh, had some great reps there. And, and you could just tell that the Clippers really bothered with the length. I thought that the Timberwolves, again, did an awesome job of rotating, um, Xing out on the backside of the defense on shooters. That's something that we saw a lot more of two years ago when the Wolves made the playoffs. And they're in that high wall coverage. It forces mm -hmm. a lot more rotation. Um, whereas a drop, everybody kind of stays home a little bit more. But even in the traditional drop coverage with the Wolves switching, um, you know, pretty much everything except for a Rudy Gobert or a screen that Rudy Gobert was involved in. I thought they communicated exceptionally well so that when they, you know, did uh, X out on the backside instead of staying home on shooters that uh, there weren't that many just wider than wide open looks, uh, which is what we've seen when the Timberwolves defense struggles is that communication isn't there. They're rotating on the backside isn't as good, but um, they did a great job tonight. And, and, and Kyle Anderson, again, man, um, did a did a great job keeping guys in front of him. He guarded Russell Westbrook for for times. Um, did it did a great job. Forced a couple of turnovers. Was was really good when he switched on to switched on to Kawhi and Harden and Paul George. Um, and again, just another guy with length who who isn't the quickest guy, but he can really move, get in a stance and move his feet. Um, and, and again, just just a really good help side defender. Really smart about when to rotate, when to when to stay out on shooters. So, or excuse me, when to kind of dig in on on drivers versus when to one to you know stay home on shooters and and again with his length seven three wingspan mm -hmm. um, does a really good job stunting um so that's when a guy kind of has an open three and he's in between two guys kind of you know kind of you know you know stunting out kind of you know jutting out to the to the guy who has the ball and then getting back to his man to buy um you know the guy who's supposed to be on the ball a little bit more time to get back to the ball um he's so good at those things and and overall just a just a great night from the timberwolves defense who you know, another night of holding an opponent under 50, not only under 50%, but under 45%. Um, and, the, and the Clippers wouldn't have gotten to 100 points if they didn't, um, you know, totally extend the game with with a bunch of fouls in that fourth quarter. You just mentioned slow-mo. He's really stepped up his game since that Celtics game, really, since uh, on last Wednesday. I'm just curious. 
your thoughts on the bench play, I guess, the last three games or so. I mean, Nas Reed, always going to be Nas Reed. Again, Slomo's kind of stepped up the last three games. Nas still been, you know, a, a nice piece to the puzzle, I guess. McLaughlin looks healthy again. But you tell me, should we feel good about the bench right now or still maybe looking to make a move at the trade deadline and maybe add a little bit more juice? Yeah, I, I think you've got to be pleased with what they've gotten from the bench. I, I still mm-hmm. think, you know, the Timberwolves are are one of the lowest scoring teams um, when, when you look at bench production, mm-hmm. um, which is OK. You know, I, you know, they've got again, they're not an offensive first team. Um, but but tonight specifically, I, you know, Chris Finch only played eight guys. Uh, he hasn't done that. This might be the one of maybe three games this whole season where, where Chris Finch has only played eight guys, really. Um, and it totally had a playoff feel because of it, right? Like Chris Finch pretty much will strictly only play these eight guys in a playoff series, um, you know, unless there's foul trouble or, or a matchup, you know, dictates, you know, really needing more shooting in Troy Brown Jr. or, you know, potentially a deadline acquisition like you talked about. Um, you know, I, I could see the Timberwolves, you know, really trying to, uh, you know, add some more juice, you uh, maybe in the shooting department, but, but again, like people want to throw out Kyle Anderson's name as a guy that, that, you know, they want to move or, you know, the Timberwolves would move just because he makes $9 million and it's easier to get a, a higher impact guy, I guess, with including his salary um, to make a trade legal. But, but I think that they'll try to move someone like Shake Milton and then attach uh, either Josh Minot or Wendell Moore Jr. Um, uh, you know, with at least one first round pick or excuse me, at least one second round pick, potentially a second, second round pick um, to try to net a guy that has a little bit more offensive juice, like you were saying, just because I, I think you'd like to be able to get more than, than 24 bench points mm-hmm. um, in a right. game like tonight, just because I think if, if the bench isn't able to score more efficiently, uh, it just puts so much more pressure on guys like Jade McDaniels and Mike Conley to step up and be that third scorer. Um, cause, cause Rudy, you know, Rudy's not really a score. That's not really his thing. I think that like his points are just a lot more matchup dependent than anything else. Um, whereas I think you're looking at Mike or Jaden to be a more consistent, you know, go to, we can rely on this guy for 12, 14, 16 points a game. So, um, so we'll see what happens. Um, but in terms of, in terms of the regular season, I do think that, that including Jaden, Mc, Jordan McLaughlin, uh, in the rotation, I think will help uh, stimulate some more open looks for this this bench offense that's kind of been stuck in the mud for for most of the season, just because J-Mac does such a good job of playing with pace and getting the ball moving and, and getting guys the ball where they like it uh, in scoring positions, um, which is uh, certainly you know his best attribute as a player. And, and he's been making his threes this year, which has been great to see. So um, you know, if if he can continue to to provide the spark that he's provided offensively, at least in between now and the trade deadline. Um, before maybe the Timberwolves are able to call in some reinforcements either via trade or in the buyout market because they, they do have enough money um, right now, but below the luxury tax to, mm-hmm. to bring in a buyout player. Um, and they also have an open roster spot. They've had an open roster spot the entire season. So um, so that is also something that I, I certainly expect the Timberwolves to be to be active players in, uh, you know, come come three, three, four weeks from now. Uh, random planet in the comments just read my mind. I, I heard Jim Pete, maybe you heard it too, doing Friday's game say he's really digging this Mike Conley, Jordan McLaughlin combo when Finchie gets them both on the floor. Small sample size. I know McLaughlin didn't even play tonight, but anything extra they could add to the equation at some point, the more they work together as the season goes on, or is that something that's kind of caught your eye at all and, and you've liked what you've seen? 
Yeah, it certainly has. And I, and I think it's a testament to what Jordan McLaughlin is able to do on the ball uh, mm-hmm. as a defender, uh, guarding opposing point, guarding opposing point guards. Um, because Mike Conley generally plays off the ball anyways, defensively. And, and he obviously, you know, is used to playing off ball next to Anthony Edwards uh, offensively. So it's certainly a pairing that can work on both ends of the floor. Um, both those guys are, you know, do a lot of the same things really well and that they, you know, are, are really good at moving the ball, getting guys organized, um, cutting when they don't have the ball just to, you know, force the defense to move and, and can spot up and, and make threes, obviously Conley at a better rate, um, you know, than, than Jordan McLaughlin so far, but, um, those lineups haven't been quite as good as you might think. They're minus 7.3 in, in 55 possessions. Obviously, that's a, that's a pretty small sample size. But, um, you know, they have been pretty good in, in the most common lineup um, that, that we've seen out of those two, which is uh, McLaughlin, Conley, McDaniels, uh, Towns, and Rudy Gobert. So that's something that, um, you know, we've seen when Ant's been in foul trouble. Um, that That's kind of when we've, we've seen those lineups uh, most commonly, um, kind of as that is that bridge uh, lineup, you know, end of the, or excuse me, like midway through the second quarter before Ant comes in and then midway through the fourth quarter before Ant comes in um, kind of at the start of the second, the start of the fourth quarters is when you've seen those lineups and they've been, they've been effective um, at least with that, that last, you know, five man unit that I, I said. So it's certainly a, a lineup that we can see more of McLaughlin played a lot alongside D'Angelo Russell uh, when he was here. And those two lineups were always um, really successful. And, and in terms of, you know, Russell and Conley are both very similar in their abilities to play off the ball offensively um, and also spending more time playing off the ball than on the ball defensively. So while they are certainly two very different players, um, D'Angelo Russell and Mike Conley, they do uh, bring those similar attributes that at least allow them to play alongside Jordan McLaughlin and be successful in doing so. Uh, we always spend a quick 60 seconds or so on the opposing team every night. I think there's plenty I can learn from you in regards to this Clippers team. So I know they started out slow. Hottest team in the league, though, now 22-6 and six in the last 28. 22-7 now, I should say. But it was fun to sit down and just watch these guys up close and personal. And I guess I want to know what you think about them um, as far as maybe a playoff matchup. Would that scare you a bit or not? Uh, what's the scouting report, I guess? And are they a potential top two seed in the West when it's all said and done, if if they can actually stay healthy for another three, four months? Yeah, well, the, the NBA actually came out with a report this weekend that basically proved that load management did not do anything to, uh, you know, to at least keep players healthy um, as opposed to just playing guys. And, and That's the Clippers were the Clippers were arguably like the biggest case study with that and that they, they were really into load managing guys, especially Kawhi and Paul George. Um, and you know, now all those guys have played a ton this season and they've been really, really good and they've caught fire and caught a rhythm in the regular season because of it. And, and there's no reason to me why they can't continue this if they're able to stay healthy. Um, because all the, all those guys and, and throw Russell Westbrook in there as well as like really high usage guys that have, you know, all done a tremendous job of, of sacrificing and, and being willing to play alongside one another. There's only one ball, right? And, and so all those guys have done a great job playing off the ball, moving without the basketball, screening for one another. Um, and, and they're all really good in isolation off the dribble. And, and, and when that happens, um, you know, it kind of allows them to pick and choose their matchups. And, um, and, and they can do that on a nightly basis, right? Like every team's going to, you know, provide you different matchups and the Clippers do an excellent job of, of hunting the weakest link on your defense and, and really making it tough. Um, you know, especially down the stretch of games, they're, they're one of the best, uh, clutch time teams in the NBA this season. And, and how could they not be when they've got finishers like that? So, um, I, I think for the Clippers, they're, they're the toughest, um, 
they're the toughest matchup uh, for the Wolves, in my opinion, just because mm. I think the way that they can spread the Wolves defense out um, and, and really make them work. Uh, that, that's, you know, obviously something the Wolves did really, really well tonight. Um, but if you think about the proposition of having to do that potentially seven times, how much they make this defense work, uh, if the Timberwolves offense, which, you know, more often than not struggles against switching and, and zone defenses, um, like the Clippers threw at them tonight, they did a good job tonight, but Again, like I, I would feel comfortable if I were the Clippers betting that the Timberwolves wouldn't, you know, continue that ball movement and cutting and um, and spacing uh, for for a full series. Um, and so, if the Timberwolves defense kind of gets tired over that seven game series and, and their offense isn't as disciplined um, as it was tonight, I, I think that that would be, you know, a series that the Wolves would really, uh, I, you know, struggle in. I certainly would pick the Clippers in that series, um, but you know, I, I think. You know, hey, that that could be a second round thing or, or a Western Conference Finals thing. When when the you know the end of the day, I I, I think these two teams are going to be one and two in the standings at the end of the season in in whichever order um, you like them. Um, just because I, I I think they're the they're the two toughest teams for for a team to play on on any given night. Just with the way the Timberwolves are able to um, you know clamp you down and make it really difficult offensively, and then. You know, and then for the Clippers, they they put a bind on your defense and and really provide, uh, you know, a unique challenge uh, to to a defense to have to stay disciplined and rotate that much and and be in a stance and be able to guard in space for for 48 minutes the way that they are. So, um, be really interesting, I think, to be able to see that in a second round series or if they are one and two and let's say they both win their first two playoff series. Um, and we get a Western Conference Finals with the Clippers and the Wolves. I think that that would be, you know, you think kind of think about how the Wolves and Celtics two games have been. Yeah. Like the Clippers mm-hmm. play very similarly stylistically to the Celtics. Um, and you, you, you see how how these three games have gone uh, between, the, you know, those three teams. And, um, you know, I, I certainly think that it would just be an incredible series for, for you know, the average fan that wants to tune in. But um, the Clippers are outside of the Timberwolves are probably my favorite team in the league to watch. Um, and, and certainly a team that I think Wolves fans should, should try to watch whenever they're on national TV, um, just as a little postseason scouting. Cause they, they are, they are a really formidable, um, team out West. Would love to see the Vegas line or spread on a Wolves Clippers playoff matchup, man. Cause you're right. I mean, you're splitting hairs. That would have to be very close and very dramatic as well. All right. I got two quickies to close before we wrap up, but first a quick word from FanDuel. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers are getting $150 in bonus bets when you place just any $5 wager. That's $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any bet. You don't even have to win. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action. The app, so easy to use. And they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, over-unders, you name it. They got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash on. That's FanDuel.com slash on today. America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Okay, schedule coming up next week. Now, Pistons, Grizzlies, who are really banged up now. OKC, which that should be a great one again. Hornets, Wizards, 
and the Nets. When you hear that run, knowing what you know, is it realistic for us to sit here and think this team can or should go something like four and two? Like, is that even the floor? Like, would you be bummed if they didn't go four and two or better? Or what's your thoughts on the next six games? Yeah, I, th I think the next six games, I think it would be a bummer if they lost more than once. Um, okay, yeah. Like the the Pistons, uh, the Grizzlies, it was actually just announced while we were recording tonight that Desmond Bain has a grade three uh, ankle sprain uh, and is going to miss at least six. Is going to miss at least six weeks. Wow. Um, so he will not play on Thursday. Break, man. They're just fighting for that top five pick now, right? At this point. Yeah. Yeah. Which so is they, kind of scary when you think about next year. John Morant comes back. Everybody comes back healthy, and you add a possible top three, top five pick. Woo. Yep. And they've got all their picks, so they they can certainly go out and and try to you know add another piece if if they want to. Um, but, but sticking with these next six, um, Detroit obviously has been terrible. Uh, Memphis has been terrible. Um, Oklahoma city, you know, the, they blew the wolves out. Um, but the wolves, you know, played really, really well in that game at target center. Uh, that's going to be a Saturday night game. There's no reason in my mind why, um, that, that shouldn't be a, a banger of a basketball game. I would give the wolves the edge there because they're, they're playing at home. Um, Charlotte has been terrible. Um, they, they got LaMelo ball back finally, but, but Washington has been terrible and Brooklyn has also been awful. Um, about, you know, really the last two, three, four weeks here. So, um, and then you have San, and then you have San Antonio again. So I think in, in the next seven games, uh, anything worse than six and one, I think you'd, you'd probably be, be wishing that, uh, things had gone differently, but, but again, the fact that we're even able to sit here and, and say like six and one would be good and, and five and two would be disappointing over any seven game stretch at all during the season. Um, you know, I, I think just kind of speaks to how fortunate we are to watch this team every night, um, kind of prognosticating the schedule here. But but yeah, I mean, this is this is what they kind of grinded through that that 16 game stretch for was to get to this stretch of games here. And, um, you know, and the great thing about it is it kind of matches up perfectly with the dog days of the NBA season in which guys are really, really tired. They're just kind of looking ahead to the end of the light, at kind of the, the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, with the uh, with the all star break coming. Um, and so once the Wolves get past the stretch of games, it's you know, they've got a three game homestand then they've got uh, a brutal road stand. And then and then, you know, it's the. All-Star weekend, and they've got like seven games at home outside of the break. So I think seven really, straight games at home out of the break. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So I think if they can get through these next seven games at five and two, six and one, um, that they would definitely keep them atop the Western Conference and put them in a great position to, you know, have a more mediocre road stand, if you will, and kind of limp into the All-Star break um, before really, you know, having a lot of energy with with all those seven home games. So. Um, they could all but lock up the number one seed, um, you know, potentially by like the second week of March. Uh, wow. If they just really take care of business here, I think, um, and kind of kind of build a little bit of a lead, if you will, from uh, from Oklahoma City and Denver. So we'll see. But it should be should be fun, hopefully, for for fans looking for, for more wins on the schedule. Here. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. 30 seconds. I'm putting on the clock. Then we got to get out of here. What's Leonard Miller's comp like? Who's his style remind you of? <laughs> if he were to hit his ceiling, because of all the young guys right now, he's by far the one guy most fans, I think, are hyped about as far as the developmental guys. And I think it's really been that way from the first night they picked him at the top of round two. Yeah, it's it's he's it's kind of tough to, to just be put on the spot and, and think of think of somebody. I, I think defensively, um, 
you know, honestly, you, you think about what Jaden McDaniels can do off the ball. Um, I, I think that's kind of who, who I that, think that's of. enticing alone right um, there. That's enticing. Off, off the ball. Yeah. He's, he's got the instincts that you need. He just has to stay locked in uh, on the defensive end of the floor and, and mm-hmm. offensively, um, man, it's, it's hard. Um, I don't even know if I could give you a good offensive comp off the top of my head. I'm so bad at things off the top of my head. Um, when you're, when you're talking about comps or, or but as far as like a one to 10, guys, but... I mean, as far as prospects goes, I know he, he wasn't a lottery pick. So to get a guy in the NBA draft top around two that this many fans are excited about, he's obviously showing some serious flashes here or there. And again, I know things are very early, but is that, is that accurate? Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, he, he's been benched in the G League a couple of times for, okay. uh, you know, just some poor defensive effort and, and lack of focus on that end of the floor. But his off, I, you know, that's obviously one that's going to come with a lefty being 6'10", can handle the ball, you know, isn't the greatest shooter. Um, Lamar Odom is definitely, definitely up there. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think, you know, he, he's just got to be more efficient um, offensively, I think. Um, and, and once he can kind of learn um, – you know, where he likes to get to on the floor um, and, and refining his handle. His, his offensive problems are kind of similar to Jaden's in that, like, um, you know, his, his handle just gets a little sloppy sometimes on the drive and, and just has to get – obviously has touch around the rim, but just kind of how you get from where you catch the ball to where you can finish it uh, is still a little bit questionable at this point. So it's a good thing that they've been able to get him in the G League and he's played a ton. So um, that's been that's been great. And you Hey, know, you I'll take a Lamar that- Odom light even. I yeah, mean, and he'll point. play he's next year. Guy. Like on. slow-mo won't be I'm back excited. next year, most likely. So with his contract situation, which yeah. is just a bummer because of how awesome he's been um these, these last handful of weeks and last season as well. But right. Um, yeah. but but yeah, he'll play next year. So Wolves fans should should certainly be excited about that. Uh well done tonight. As always, Wolves move to 28 and 11 on the year. Back on the road this Wednesday versus those lowly pistons for hopefully a nice little tune-up game there. Tip off 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. As always. Huge shout out to everyone that joined us in the postcast. Always love everyone's feedback and comments throughout every postcast. And rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. You got to go check out all of Jack's work on Twitter at JRBorman13. And check out Jack on the Minnesota basketball party with our guys Sam Ekstrom, Gophers legend Ron Johnson, Kara Levins, Reggie Wilson, each and every Wednesday afternoon as well. And if you haven't already, Ben Beacon, spitting fire over the Locked on Wolves podcast each and every day. That'll do it for us tonight. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.